Yes, praise be to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Thank you for joining us for our time of the study of the Word of God here. We study the Bible and we aim to study from the book of Genesis to Revelation. And by the grace of God, we have done 26 books of the Bible. We shall be completing our book of Daniel soon. And that is the 27th book. And I thank you for always taking time. Uh, to study and to learn and to uh, join in because here like we already said there is no limitation to revelation god reveals his word to everybody who shows the need if you want god to speak to you he will come out he will speak to you he will reveal his word to you and if you've not been able to listen to all podcasts we've done straight from the book of genesis you can find them on all podcast platforms podbean apple podcast google podcast spotify stitcher deezer you name it, you'll find us there. You can also visit our website, diboindepth.com, and uh, there you'll be able to find everything concerning the network. And I believe that you shall be blessed. You'll find a live prayer room there. You'll find everything that could help you in your work of salvation. And uh, thank you for always taking time to join us as we study the Word of God. And uh, today, I want us to continue and uh, try to conclude our book of Daniel. And uh, we are moving to chapter 11 today. Now, we are looking at prophecies, those prophecies that are going to be fulfilled, that Daniel is talking about here. They come to fulfillment. They see them come to pass just years after uh, they leave their captivity in Babylon. And uh, when Daniel comes out to speak now, he's speaking of that which is going to to come in the near future. In chapter 11, it starts by saying, in the first year of Darius, the Med, remember, these are the ones that take over from Babylon. These are the ones who come and take the reins after Babylon. The Meds are the Persians. The Meds led by Darius, the Persians are led by Cyrus. These two was more or less a joint conquest, yeah? And uh, the, in the first year of Darius the Med, I arose to be an encouragement and a protection for him. Remember, um, when you look at the reign of Darius, Daniel was so part of it, Darius actually believed in the God of Daniel. And uh, that was a blessing that came unto him. But now in verse 2, he says, and now I tell you the truth. Behold, three more kings are going to arise in Persia. Then a fourth will gain far more riches than all of them. As soon as he becomes strong through his riches, he will arouse the whole empire against the realm of Greece. He's speaking of three more kings that are going to come within Persia, within the reign of Persia. And uh, we understand that the Meds had the first glory, but the Persians, when it came to their turn, they really stole the show. And uh, they had a much greater, bigger dynasty that reigned as an empire than the Meds. Now, here he's speaking, and he's saying that three more kings are going to arise in Persia. The fourth will gain more riches than them, and also will cause, uh, will go against the Greeks. And in the realm of Greece, all the Greek uh, kingdom, which will eventually bring trouble to them. 
Now, when we get into history, several sources of history uh, talk about this chronology of the four Persian kings that uh, could be talked about here. Yeah, after the reign of Darius and Cyrus, one of the Persian kings is Cambyses. Yeah, the other one that could be mentioned here is false Smadis, the usurper. That's what they called him. And we shall look at him briefly. Then the third is Darius. And then, this is Darius 1, is different from the other one who came and conquered. Then you have the one Exus. Uh, and uh, this is the one that is spoken of in the book of Esther. Now, this fourth king, Exus, was quite rich. He was quite powerful. And he is believed to have been the last Persian king who invaded and waged war against Greece. And uh, he fought the Greek army. And later in the same year, he uh, suffered a very huge defeat. Alexander the Great would come on and conquer the Media Persia Empire and its monarch. And uh, when you get to historians and theologians and what they believe in analysis of these four kings, there is one theologian, uh, an Adventist th theologian called Jacques Dukan, who presents something different as far as the chronology of these four remaining Persian kings that Daniel is talking about here is concerned. And for him, he suggests that of these four kings, they should remove or omit that second king, who we've just called uh, false Madis, the usurper. And they put the successor of Xerxes, who is Ataxas. Yeah? These are the reasons he gives. One, he says, Smadis reigned just for one year. Yeah? Two, he says, Smadis was a Median. He was not a Persian. Yeah? And the prophecy is explicit and direct because it states that these kings would be from Persia, not from Media. And three, when you get to the respected historian uh, called Herodotus, who looked at him some time back, he never mentioned this uh, false Madis in any of his commentaries as one of the kings of Persia. So, you find that historians, theologians will come out and debate who are these four kings that are being talked about. Are they actually the ones uh, that should be referred to when it comes to what Daniel is saying here? Another one called Edwin Tile, another uh, theologian, for him, in his book, he wrote that these four kings would consist Cambyses, that one is non-negotiable. Then you have Darius, who is the second. Then you have Exus of uh, the, of Esther, the one who was in, mentioned in the book of Esther. And then also Ataxes, who is the son of Exus. And that is the one who was the fourth and the last king. And uh, regardless of which view you choose, of who are the four kings, whether you include uh, uh, the usurper or not, um, it's clear what is being spoken of here. Whatever is being spoken of here does not change what uh, Daniel chapter 1 uh, starts with to tell us about the fact that this for because either way, the Greek Empire would be the next uh, superpower that was going to emerge on the scene. And uh, he continues in verse 3 and says, And a mighty king will arise, and he will rule with great authority, and do as he pleases. But as soon as he has arisen, his kingdom will be broken up and parceled out toward 
the four points of the compass, though not to his own descendants, nor according to his authority, which he wielded, for his sovereignty will be uprooted and given to others beside them. He is speaking about uh, Alexander the Great. He's the mighty king that will arise, that, like we've just seen, after the empire of the Persians is out of the way and the Greeks come onto the scene. Alexander the Great is the one that comes and takes the reins. He runs the empire. Just at the age of 22, he starts to fight, takes over, and then he has one of the biggest conquests that has ever been recorded in the history of conquests and empires in the world. And at 32, 33, he was gone. But he is the one who takes over from the Persians. But we are told here that as soon as he has arisen, because he dies young, uh, when they talk about the four points of the compass, it implies his authority will be split into four leaders. And uh, these, we are told, are not his own descendants. Yeah, They were just generals. They were generals uh, that would fight with him. And when he dies at that young age, they come over and take over the empire. And these comprised of the four Hellenistic kingdoms that we saw uh, take the reigns in uh, from 301 BC. The first of the generals was called Cassander. Cassander took over uh, the part of Greece and Macedonia Yeah, when Alexander the Great died. That's the division that was made. So to one general called Cassander, he takes Greece and Macedonia. To the second general, we looked at this uh, recently, yeah, uh, but I'll just go through it briefly. The second general called Lysimachus also uh, takes over Thrace and Asia Minor. Yeah, that's a general who was given that charge after Alexander the Great had died. Then the third general called Seleucus takes over Syria and the eastern regions. Yeah, after Alexander the Great had died. And of course, the fourth general was Ptolemy. We looked at the, him in detail when we were looking at the history of Israel. If you've not been able to listen to those podcasts on the history of Israel, you can still find them through uh, uh, Podbean or all podcast platforms. Uh, Ptolemy was key because for him, he took over Egypt and the Palestine region in which uh, Israel falls, in which Israel is that we are discussing here. And uh, the major person who was running Israel or the Judea-Palestine region was Ptolemy. So those are the four genos, yeah? Cassander, Lysamas, uh, uh, and uh, Ptolemy, and Seleucus, who take over after the king, Alexander the Great, is dead. And those are the ones they speak of who will come, not from his lineage, they're not his descendants, and they shall take over from him. Then he goes on and says, And the king of the south shall be strong, and one of his princes, and he shall be strong above him, and have dominion, his dominion shall be a great dominion. I'll read that again. And the king of the south shall be strong, and one of his princes, and he shall be strong above him. We are told, and have dominion, and his dominion shall be a great dominion. Now, when you, we use the Judeo-Palestine region as a point of directional reference, the Hellenistic Egypt will symbolize as the king of the south. 
Yeah, because if this is a point in which this prophecy is being given, in which this writing is concerned, then you consider it south. So, using Judeo-Palestine as a point of reference, directionally, Hellenistic Egypt symbolizes the king of the south. And its first king was Ptolemy the first, Sotaya, who reigns from 323 to 282 BC. And uh, he's the one who comes and takes over this region. Having served as one of Alexander's bodyguards, and he was also, by the way, known as his personal historian, Ptolemy was one of the wisest generals, yeah? The generals with ability that was considered in the entire Greco-Macedonian army. And uh, he foresaw that Egypt has great possibilities because it's an isolated location than the rest, and it's isolated from hostilities, potential hostilities that can arise. So for him, he decided to take uh, the other part of Egypt as the point he's going to control. Of course, he knew that as the four generals who have authority, it does not necessarily imply that there will be peace with them. Yeah. So he picks a section, says, me, you give me Egypt. That is where I want to take over. And... Uh, we also see from this, discussing that uh, portion we've just read about the king of the south and one of his princes, there is an ambitious uh, general also of Alexander who is called Seleucus. Yeah? This one was later on going to become the first Seleucid Syrian king. Now, during the breakup of the original uh, empire of Alexander the Great, Seleucus, as a general, was not given any appointment, any territory appointment. And he was not given a place that this has been given to you as one of the generals. Yeah? But later on, he would become a satrap of Babylon. The growing power of uh, Antigonus, of course, and his son Demetrius, forced Seleucus to flee to Ptolemy for protection because they were up after him. They wanted to kill him. He runs to Ptolemy. And uh, he placed himself under Ptolemy's command. So, here in this sense, Seleucus becomes one of Ptolemy's princes that are being talked about, that the king of the south and his prince. So, Seleucus is that prince that is being talked about. And he was receiving a commission as a commander of the Egyptian naval forces. And later on, we see that he would come out as Seleucus and defeat Demetrius, which allows him to return to Babylon. And eventually, he joins in a coalition with Cassander, Lysimachus, and Ptolemy, and they fight against Antigonus and his son, Demetrius. And this uh, makes a very big contribution with the death of these uh, who Seleucus comes to fight. Now, Seleucus, after defeating these, he takes the control of their region. Seleucus and Lysimachus, of course, uh, after gaining this territory, they also have a showdown. And uh, these two former generals fight, and Lysimachus is defeated again by Seleucus. Seleucus then emerges as the most powerful king with the largest territory of all the former generals of Alexander. And he would become more powerful than his former ally, Ptolemy which has been called, uh, when we read that part of the scripture, that this prince will be strong above 
him. So he started by running to help for help to uh, Ptolemy, and when he runs to Ptolemy for help, he's given uh, that uh, a position as a prince. He's given charge. He's paid to lead the army, the naval forces, and when he goes back, gets alliance with these three other generals. They defeat Demetrius and Antigonus. He takes charge. He comes back to defeat even and to fight those who helped him fight. And now he is the man, the greatest of empires and greater than them all. Even for this one who saved him uh, from death. And he is strong above him and has great dominion. Yeah, as the greatest king of all Alexander's successors. For of all those that came, this man Seleucus, also considered prince in the section we've just read, is uh, the one who has the greatest dominion of all the four that succeeded Alexander the Great. Now, the contention that Ptolemy the First and Seleucus uh, had was going to come over Coloseria. Coloseria is the region of Judea and Palestine. Yeah? And Ptolemy was originally awarded this region and would occupy it uh, during the, Demet- the, Demet- the Demetrius defeat. And when they split, fight defeat, they give him Coloseria. That is yours, as Ptolemy the first. But then, this re- region was a source of contention because of its location, number one, and secondly, because of the natural resources that were in this region. This is a Judea-Palestine region that we're talking about here. So, Seleucus objects to that which was given to Ptolemy, and now he wants this Kole Syria region. And he remained firm, Ptolemy. He said, I'm not giving you this region. I'm not surrendering this region to you. And because he realized that he owed his rise to power to that uh, to Ptolemy because he's the one who gave him defense and all, um, Seleucus obliged. He stood down and says, I will not bring this dispute. But this contention over Coloseria would resurface later on. And it's the one that resulted in the five Syria wars that uh, uh, talked about. We shall see briefly about them. And it goes on Daniel to speak and says, In the end of years, they shall join themselves together. He's saying in the end of years, these two, the king of the south and the north, they shall join themselves together. This passage states that in the end of years, Egypt and Syria would reconcile their differences and join themselves together. Now, Seleucus I was assassinated unexpectedly. They didn't expect that to happen that soon. But he is assassinated by the half-brother of Ptolemy II. Yeah? And Ptolemy II started the first Syrian war with a strike invasion against Antiochus now who was uh, in charge of the Syrian region. Antiochus takes over from Seleucus. And he had the intent of preventing this new king from seeking a revenge on the Egyptian family for his father's assassination because he knows that it is a Ptolemy that killed my father Seleucus. So we need to prevent this new king from coming to revenge. So uh, what happens? These two kings eventually enter a peace agreement which allowed Ptolemy to also retain Coloseria but also not to get into fights because of uh, the assassination that happened to his father. Daniel goes on and says, For the king's daughter, 
of the south shall come to the king of the north to make an agreement. The king's daughter of the south, that's from the Egypt side, shall come to the king of the north, that's from the Syrian side, to make an agreement. The Seleucid kingdom and the kingdom of Ptolemy shall come and make an agreement. Now, launching the Second Syrian War, Antiochus II sought to recover the territories that were lost in the First Syrian War. And he made some success with this. But uh, the growing weary of continued conflict, the two kings would eventually decide to join themselves together, just like it was mentioned here by Daniel. And uh, they do this in peace. In a treaty, the king's daughter of the south came to the king of the north to make an agreement. And to secure peace, Ptolemy II offered his daughter, Berenice, in marriage to Antiochus II. Ptolemy says, he's in charge of the kingdom of Ptolemy, he says, I am offering my daughter Berenice. Yeah? He's going to come and get married to you, the Seleucid king, Antiochus uh, the second, and this included, of course, a huge dowry that came with it. Uh, the Seleucid king agreed to these terms, and what did the king do? He exiles his current wife, who is called Laodis, and there are two sons in the process because he says, I have Berenice coming, you have to leave. Daniel continues and says, But she shall not retain the power of the arm, neither shall he stand. Hmm? Nor is um, but she shall be given up, and they that brought her, and he that begat her, and he that strengthened her in these times. After being humiliated by her husband, yeah, being chased away, Laodice decides to revenge how. In one way, he gets access to the king because of some considerations the king would have made, and Laodice assassinates Antiochus II through poisoning. Yeah, this queen who had been uh, thrown out poisoned Antiochus II, and now, thus, the one who strengthened Baranese in those times did not stand. The one who strengthened Baranese was Antiochus. He could not stand because he was poisoned and is dead. And now, having no protection, Baranese and her infant son were also eventually executed by this former queen, Laodice, who would then have her own son proclaimed king, and that was Seleucus II. And uh, therefore, after having been given up and murdered with they that brought her, of course the attendants that came with the Berenice are all are killed and assassinated. Berenice would not retain the power of the arm and her infant son, that begata, literally whom she brought forth, would uh, also meet the same fate, falling victim and uh, being in the wrath of the former queen, Laodice. Now he goes on and says, but out of a branch of Harods shall one stand up in his estate, which shall come with an army and shall enter into the fortress of the king of the north. Yeah. And shall deal against them, and shall prevail, and shall also carry captives into Egypt their gods, with their princes, and with their precious vessels of silver and gold, 
and he shall continue more years than the king of the north. So the king of the south shall come into his kingdom and shall return into his own land. That's from verse 7 to 9 of Daniel 11. When they say, but out of a branch of Harut shall one stand up in his estate, which shall come with an army, and shall enter into the fortress of the king of the north, and shall deal against them and prevail. This is what they're talking about. When Ptolemy Third hears that the sister has been besieged by Laodice, that former queen, yeah, he decides that he needs to go and help her. Of course, when they say one of her roots, they're talking about uh, Berenice. Yeah? One of her roots is the brother that is coming out, and he comes and launches the Syrian war, also sometimes called the Laodicean war, because it is against what Laodice was doing, uh, for the sister, old Berenice, yeah? So, he arrives too late, unfortunately, to save the life of the sister, Berenice. So, by the time he reaches, Berenice has been killed with her son and all those that uh, she came with. Now, what does Ptolemy III decide to do? He says, I'm going to deal against them, just like Daniel is saying, yeah? And he comes with an army, and he would entirely prevail against them in this invasion and uh, in this third Syrian war. Yeah, And uh, he gets into the fortress of the king of the north that he leads one of the greatest military victory over the Seleucid Empire in Syria that has ever been achieved by a Ptolemaic dynasty. Now, he conquered many Syrian cities, he would have conquered the entire Syria, by the way, but uh, he had to withdraw because back home in Egypt, there was a rebellion that was going on. So Ptolemy III uh, returns to the land of Egypt. He had conquered, yeah, and he had spoils of victory, as it's mentioned here by Daniel, that and shall also carry captives into Egypt. Yeah, He speaks, he shall carry their gods with their princes, and with the precious vessels of silver and gold, and he shall continue more years than the king of the north. So the king of the south shall come into his kingdom and shall return into his own line. Ptolemy Third returns to Egypt triumphant, yeah? And also he's carrying captives into Egypt, yeah? He's bringing them, their gods, and precious vessels of silver and gold. Of course, there are also some uh, pagan idols that they recovered that had been taken from Egypt by the Persians in their former conquest. They bring them back. And uh, in the face of Ptolemy's return to Egypt, Seleucus II regains much of his former territory. And he even attempts to invade Kole Syria, which is an area that was key for them. This, remember, as we spoke, is Judea-Palestine region in which Israel, all Jerusalem, his part. So, when this one goes back to Egypt, the Seleucus uh, king says, I, I will fight back, and he gains much of the territory back. Of course, uh, later on, Seleucus is defeated, and the two powers decide to get into another agreement uh, that ends the Third Syrian War. Of course, overall, Ptolemy Third would come into his kingdom, as it's spoken by Daniel, and returning to his own land, and continue more years than the king of the north because he lived until 221 BC 
and uh, the one down, Selukas the second, dies unexpectedly. He falls off a horse, by the way. It was one of those military campaigns that he was carrying out. I'll try to conclude with this, hopefully, if we have time. But his sons shall be stirred up, yeah, and shall assemble a multitude of great forces, and one shall certainly come and overflow and pass through, and then shall he return and be stirred up even to his fortress. And the king of the south shall be moved with choler, and shall come forth and fight with him, even with the king of the north, and he shall set forth a great multitude, but the multitude shall be given into his hand. And when he has taken away the multitude, his heart shall be filled up, and he shall cast down many ten thousands, but he shall not be strengthened by it. For the king of the north shall return, and shall set forth a multitude greater than the former, and shall certainly come after certain years with a great army, and with great riches. Of course now, here they are talking about the sons yeah, of Ptolemy the third that shall come up, the sons that shall come and take uh, the reins after their father is dead, after he falls off that horse. They come up, and they have an intention, and they have to fight back. They want to take Kola Syria or Judea Palestine as a region that belongs to them. And that's where we shall start from uh, tomorrow. Father, we thank you for uh, helping us study. We thank you for the direction. We thank you for your word. And we pray that you lead us, guide us, help us, walk with us. Do not let us go. We exalt you. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.